0: This is the end game. It's Friday, March 11th, 2022, the 415th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Now, first, before anything, I have to say, happy anniversary to COVID. If you remember, two years ago today was the day when the television told us that Tom Hanks had gotten COVID and was sick. I think he was in Australia or something, or maybe he was at home in Greece. But Tom Hanks came down with the China virus, and immediately that's when everybody knew, ooh, this is serious. Even a celebrity can get it. And then, almost immediately, the NHL and the NBA canceled their games for the evening, not to restart again for a couple of months with empty stadiums, you know, once it was safe. It was the day the WHO declared officially that the coronavirus represented a global pandemic. And Donald Trump came out and addressed the nation. And then the media got very mad that Trump called it a foreign virus. That's where we were two years ago. And if there was a marker, For when all of this period of worldwide societal insanity began, I would suggest that maybe March 11th, 2020 would be that day. But I'm writing about all of that, and hopefully one day you will read it. In the meantime, let's switch subjects to virtually the same subject, man-made and man-altered biological pathogens that, if released, could send the world into disarray. But that's not what happened with the coronavirus. That came from a bat. And it would be crazy to relate that bat born illness from China with anything that might exist in bioweapons labs, aka bio facilities in Ukraine. Last night, Russia called for a meeting of the UN Security Council so they could present what they consider evidence of biological weapons programs at US Defense Department funded labs in Ukraine. And they were granted that meeting, and the meeting happened and just finished. And we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, last night, In Reuters, one of the mouthpieces of the global world order, the WHO made another official announcement. This is the Reuters headline exclusive. WHO says it advised Ukraine to destroy pathogens in health labs to prevent disease spread. And a health lab is not the same thing as a bioweapons lab. A health lab is more like the bio facility. You got it? It's just a facility. It's for health. They're trying to defend the world against pandemics. That's why they are studying the viruses and making them more transmissible and more deadly. The World Health Organization advised Ukraine to destroy high threat pathogens housed in the country's public health laboratories to prevent, quote, any potential spills that would spread disease among the population the agency told Reuters on Thursday. Biosecurity experts say Russia's movement of troops into Ukraine and bombardment of its cities have raised the risk of an escape of disease-causing pathogens should any of those facilities be damaged. Like many other countries, Ukraine has public health laboratories researching how to mitigate the threats of dangerous diseases affecting both animals and humans, including, most recently, COVID-19. Its labs have received support from the United States, the European Union, and the WHO. In response to questions from Reuters about its work with Ukraine ahead of and during Russia's invasion, the WHO said in an email that it has collaborated with Ukrainian public health labs for several years to promote security practices that help prevent accidental or deliberate release of pathogens. As part of this work, WHO has strongly recommended to the Ministry of Health in Ukraine and other responsible bodies to destroy high-threat pathogens to prevent any potential spills, the WHO, a United Nations agency, said. you got to love how they say that. Not only is it the WHO, the UN has its imprimatur on this too. All of the very global organizations agree That it was important for them to destroy these high threat pathogens before they fall into the wrong hands. And the wrong hands is anyone who's not down with the global order. It seems like they might have already missed the boat on that. The WHO would not say when it had made the recommendation, nor did it provide specifics about the kinds of pathogens or toxins housed in Ukraine's laboratories. The agency also did not answer questions about whether its recommendations were followed. Isn't that interesting? The same organization that lied about human-to-human transmission and then hid the information on COVID-19 and still has not gotten to the bottom of the origin of COVID-19 is now refusing to answer questions about what it asked the Ukrainians to destroy among these high threat pathogens in their health facilities. They won't even say when they recommended the Ukrainians do this or whether or not it was done. There's a strong chance that they recommended it right around that February 24th date when the Russians claim the documents they have retrieved say that that destruction of high threat pathogens was ordered. One would think that if that date was wrong, then the WHO might want to come out and give an exact date so that people who are paying attention but nonetheless do not have full knowledge might know that these things aren't related and that their instructions to destroy the high threat pathogens have nothing to do with the documents the Russians claim to have found. Ukrainian officials in Kiev and at their embassy in Washington did not respond to requests for comment. Ukraine's laboratory capabilities are at the center of a growing information war since Russia began moving troops into Ukraine two weeks ago. Well, that's interesting. At first, this was all a conspiracy. Now they're the center of an information war. This is a conspiracy theory that has been weaponized. And you know that it's a conspiracy theory and that it's been weaponized because of who's doing it. It doesn't matter what the facts are that might back up the truth or falsity of the claims. It just matters who's doing it. Just like when Hillary Clinton paid for the Steele dossier and other so-called intelligence used to frame Donald Trump and his campaign for colluding with the Russians. And of course, she did that with the full knowledge and assistance of the Obama-Biden administration in 2016, as well as the CIA and the FBI. And it seems the NSA was helpful in spying on Trump's campaign and presidency as well. And then the media repeated all that. That is the sort of thing that could be called a weaponized conspiracy theory if only the other side had done it because the global communist side did it. It's all good. Not a conspiracy theory, not weaponized. They were just trying to protect the American public from the potential of having an illegitimate president sitting in the White House, not like we have now. On Wednesday, Russian foreign ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova repeated a longstanding claim that the United States operates a bio lab in Ukraine, an accusation that has been repeatedly denied by Washington and Kiev. Zakharova said the documents unearthed by Russian forces in Ukraine showed, quote, an emergency attempt to erase evidence of military biological programs by destroying lab samples. Reuters was unable to independently confirm her information. In a response, a Ukrainian presidential spokesperson said Ukraine strictly denies any such allegation. U.S. government spokespeople also strongly denied Zakharova's accusations, saying that Russia may use its claims as a pretext to deploy its own chemical or biological weapons. The WHO statement made no reference to bio The agency said it encourages all parties to cooperate in the safe and secure disposal of any pathogens they come across and to reach out for technical assistance as needed. It offered to help wherever possible with technical guidance and coordination. The United Nations Security Council will convene on Friday at Russia's request, diplomats said, to discuss Moscow's claims presented without evidence of U.S. biological activities in Ukraine. So the bioweapons labs are not bioweapons labs. They are merely health facilities. Nonetheless, they did contain high threat pathogens that could be weaponized if they were, you know, released. But they have policies against releasing them. So that can't happen. And there are people who actually go to check on them. They are monitored facilities, which means also nothing bad could ever happen. Not like Wuhan. Wuhan was not monitored. Oh oh yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, it was monitored by the same standards in the same ways. Oh yeah, okay, got it. So it can't happen at all. It is disinformation. And Russia went to the UN today to present their case without evidence. according to Reuters and the WHO. Now, the Russians would dispute that. In fact, the Russians believe they have plenty of evidence proving this. And they did present some of it today at the UN. They released a report on it last night that's been translated into English. You can find all of that information in the info stream, t.me slash I'm your moderator. A bunch of people are posting it. The information is spreading quickly. But the Russians released a preliminary report before the U.N. Security Council meeting today, and I'm going to share that with you. In the report, they write the information received from various sources confirms the leading role of the U.S. Defense Threat Reduction Agency in financing and conducting military biological research on the territory of Ukraine. So let's check the first statement for their factual claims. They say they've received information from various sources. Now, various sources is interesting because they have claimed, we know they've claimed the one source. They had the documentation from the labs about the destruction of the pathogens. That seems to be at least in some way confirmed by what the WHO says, so we can take that for what it's worth. The Defense Threat Reduction Agency absolutely did have a relationship with health facilities in Ukraine where they were financing programs. They say that they were updating all the labs to make them safer and to install proper safety protocols. And they had high threat pathogens there, as has been admitted multiple times. One would wonder why they didn't simply destroy the high threat pathogens or move them somewhere else. Why does the lab need to be in Ukraine? We haven't had a proper explanation for that. Maybe I'm just ignorant about how this stuff works, but you would think that if they have ways to properly contain these high threat pathogens within the lab, they might have ways to contain these high threat pathogens as they are transported. And if that's true, why in the world are they keeping them in labs in Ukraine near Russia's border? When Russia continually says, hey, they're keeping high threat pathogens in these labs near our border, isn't the most obvious solution to move those high threat pathogens elsewhere or destroy them? But instead, we have these kinds of labs all across the world, and we know that they were coordinating on this research in Wuhan with the People's Liberation Army and the CCP. Again, if it's all about research and education and prevention and containment, why wouldn't we be doing that work in our country properly supervised? Well, part of the reason is that we here in America decided we do not approve of -of gain-of-function research, where they take viral material and make it more transmissible or more deadly. That's what that is. And it's worth pointing out again that they refer to that research, the gain of function research, as dual use research of concern. It has a military bioweapon use and it has a health and research use. One might consider that the change in terms from gain of function to dual use research of concern might be a linguistic trick to teach you. That these are actually two different things, even though they are happening in the same ways on the same materials in the same places. But you can see why it might be advantageous to say, no, these are not weapons programs. So that part of their report makes sense so far. Details of the UP4 project became known, which was implemented with the participation of laboratories in Kiev, Kharkov, and Odessa, and was designed for the period up to 2020. Its purpose was to study the possibility of the spread of particularly dangerous infections through migrating birds, including highly pathogenic H5N1 influenza, the mortality rate of which reaches 50% for humans, as well as Newcastle disease. Due to the fact that Ukraine has a unique geographical location where transcontinental migration routes intersect, 145 biological species were studied within the framework of this project. At the same time, at least two species of migratory birds were identified whose routes pass mainly through the territory of Russia. At the same time, information about migration routes passing through the countries of Eastern Europe was summarized. Now, if I was a Russian, that might sound like a threat to my country. They're studying extremely deadly pathogens, a 50% death rate, by the way. Is 500 times deadlier than COVID, just to be clear. COVID's death rate, the infection fatality rate, if you get the disease, the chances you will die, according to the statistics that are definitely wrong, by the way, is one out of a thousand. It's 0.1%. This is 50%, 500 times more deadly. And so there's a lab near the border studying high threat pathogens like this one that they say they have evidence for, maybe it's not true, maybe it's Russian propaganda, but this is what they say, and that they were studying these different species of birds and insects and whatever else that would migrate directly through Russia, carrying the pathogen with them. That is what they are concerned about, and that's what they're accusing the U.S. of working on in these labs. Of all the methods developed in the United States to destabilize the epidemiological situation, this is one of the most reckless and irresponsible since it does not allow to control the further development of the situation. This is confirmed by the course of the pandemic of a new coronavirus infection, the occurrence and features of which raise many questions. In addition, the R781 project is interesting, where bats are considered as carriers of potential biological weapons agents. And yeah, if we found that they were doing work on bats carrying biological weapons agents in Ukraine, that actually would be bad. At that point, I think we could say that Russia had some justification for worrying about what was happening right on the other side of its borders in the nation that has neo-Nazis as part of its former military, celebrates a neo-Nazi history, and currently has neo-Nazis engaged in a civil war against ethnic Russians on Ukraine's eastern border. Among the priorities identified are the study of bacterial and viral pathogens that can be transmitted from bats to humans, pathogens of plague, leptospirosis, brucellosis, as well as coronaviruses and phyloviruses. It is noteworthy that the research is carried out in close proximity to the borders of Russia, in the areas of the Black Sea coast and the Caucasus. The project is being implemented with the involvement of not only Ukrainian, but also Georgian biological laboratories controlled by the Pentagon in cooperation with the Virginia Polytechnic Institute and the U.S. Geological Survey. The analyzed materials on the UP8 project, aimed at studying the Congo-Crimean hemorrhagic fever virus and hantaviruses in Ukraine, clearly refute the U.S. public statement that only Ukrainian scientists work in the Pentagon bio labs in Ukraine without the intervention of American biologists. One of the documents confirms that all serious high risk studies are conducted under the direct supervision of specialists from the United States. The payroll of Ukrainian contractors clearly demonstrates how they are financed. It has been confirmed that the U.S. Department of Defense paid the money for research participation directly without the involvement of intermediaries. The extremely modest pay by U.S. standards is noteworthy. This indicates a low estimation of the professionalism of Ukrainian specialists and the neglect of their American colleagues. In addition, the studied materials contained proposals for the expansion of the U.S. military biological program in Ukraine. Thus, there was evidence of the continuation of completed biological projects, UP2, UP9, UP10, aimed at studying the pathogens of anthrax and African swine fever. The Pentagon is also interested in insect vectors capable of spreading dangerous infectious diseases. The analysis of the obtained materials confirms the transfer of more than 140 containers of ectoparasites of bats, fleas and ticks from the biolab in Kharkov abroad. Significantly. Similar research was carried out in the 1940s on the development of biological weapons components by the Japanese Unit 731, whose members later fled to the U.S. to escape prosecution for war crimes. I would like to remind you that representatives of Western countries are extremely cautious about handing over their biomaterials. At the same time, available documents confirm numerous cases of transferring biological samples of Ukrainian citizens abroad. For example, 350 cryo containers with blood serum samples were transferred from the Public Health Center of the Ministry of Health of Ukraine to the Reference Laboratory for Infectious Diseases of the Australian Doherty Institute under the pretext of determining antibody titers. Another example is the German-funded project, number 68727 EN on the study of Congo Crimean hemorrhagic fever pathogens and hantiviruses. As part of this project, 1000 blood serum samples of citizens from different regions of Ukraine belonging exclusively to the Slavic ethnic group were donated to the Bernhard Nocht Institute for Tropical Medicine in Hamburg. Now, let's be really clear about what they're saying, okay? They are saying that they are collecting certain types of blood serum with certain types of DNA related to the Slavic ethnic group so that the interactions with that ethnic group's DNA can be studied. And this sort of research is pretty well documented online. You can research it. It's not hard. Well, don't use Google and don't use DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo just capitulated publicly, but DuckDuckGo has always been what it is. It was never a good search engine. I use Quant personally, Q-W-A-N-T, on the Brave browser, and I find that to be fine. But you can't ultimately trust any of these things. That said, once you know you definitely can't trust one of them, like Google and DuckDuckGo, continuing to use them because they're familiar or you don't want to transfer your bookmarks is crazy. But let's just go back and summarize the complete picture once again, right? So we know that there are U.S. Defense Department funded biolabs in Ukraine. We know that they were dealing with high threat pathogens, and that's why the WHO asked them to destroy high threat pathogens. Russia is claiming that they were studying certain species of animals and insects, that have migratory patterns into Russia and across Russia with the potential of spreading these dangerous, high-threat pathogens if these species were infected with them. We know these facilities are near Russia's borders. And now Russia is also making the additional claim that they were studying Slavic DNA with the express intent of weaponizing viruses against the Slavic people, all of these, by the way, if they prove true, would be totally justifiable reasons for Russia to attack these labs in Ukraine. Back to the Russian report. It is highly likely that one of the objectives of the U.S. and its allies is to create bio agents capable of selectively targeting different ethnic populations. During a hearing of the U.S. Senate Foreign Affairs Committee on 8 March, Under Secretary of State Victoria Newland reported on the presence of bioweapons in Ukraine where biosecurity research had been conducted. She expressed concern about the possibility of these bio laboratories and the materials there being taken over by the Russian armed forces. According to available information, the Americans have already managed to evacuate most of the documentation, including databases, biomaterials and equipment from laboratories in Kiev, Kharkov and Odessa to the Lvov Research Institute of Epidemiology and Hygiene and the U.S. Consulate in Lvov. The possibility of transferring part of the collection to Poland has not been excluded. In fact, with her statement, Nuland indirectly confirmed the Pentagon's military biological program in Ukraine in circumvention of existing international agreements. So that is the case that Russia presented to the UN today. And that statement was basically word for word, the first round of statements from the Russian ambassador. In the second statement they made, they were trying to refute some of the claims that countries like the U.S. and the U.K. and Ireland were making about Russian activity in Ukraine, the damage Russia was supposedly doing, the supposed crimes against humanity, the bombing of maternity hospitals, the ghost of Kiev, and the heroic comedic actor. Now, the maternity hospital thing is pretty obviously fake. As fake as the ghost of Kiev, as fake as the idea that Putin had been thwarted by the comedic actor, as fake as the idea that Kiev was going to be under siege two weeks ago, as fake as the idea that Russia attacked a nuclear power plant, etc., etc., Nonetheless, that was the biggest story in the media this week about Russia, Ukraine. Russia had bombed a maternity hospital. Now, Russia has offered what they say is proof that that maternity hospital has been taken over for a considerable amount of time by the Azov battalion. And they do say they have proof of that. It seems like they do have proof of that. Also, everybody knows the very pretty, very injured pregnant woman that was being walked down the maternity hospital's steps after it had been blown up, apparently. And, you know, her face was a little bloodied, but it turns out she's a beauty blogger and it looks a whole lot like that entire incident was staged. The Ukrainian ambassador to the UN today in one of his statements tried to prove that the maternity hospital incident happened by showing pictures that that very same girl had had her baby. But no one was claiming the girl wasn't pregnant. They were just claiming that the hospital wasn't an active maternity hospital that was bombed and she was not an active patient of that hospital who escaped after the bombing. And of course, follow-up reports about the maternity hospital bombing show zero deaths and 17 injuries, but there's very little detail. Now, because I would never, ever be able to endure being accused of spreading propaganda, I want to be fair and balanced. And so to be fair and balanced, I'm going to give you the first statement From the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. And I'll only give you the first one because in the second one, she did the thing where she was very offended and said, I know you want us to respond to all these claims, these lies, but that would be undignified. And we are not going to waste another moment of this very important global councils time talking about these lies that we have nonetheless not refuted so here we go everybody get ready to be super proud of your country
2: and spreading disinformation and that is exactly what you have heard from the russian pr this morning you also heard from Ms. Nak- nakamisu that the un is not aware of any biological or chemical weapons programs in ukraine last month Secretary Blinken laid out with tragic accuracy what Russia was about to do. He specifically warned that Russia would manufacture a pretext for attack and even cautioned that Russia would fabricate allegations about chemical or biological weapons to justify its own violent attacks against the Ukrainian people. Today, the world is watching Russia do exactly what we warned it would, Russia is attempting to use the Security Council to legitimize disinformation and deceive people to justify President Putin's war of choice against the Ukrainian people.
0: So the UN is not aware of any biological or chemical weapons in Ukraine, which means they must not exist because the UN would never lie and no one could ever trick them, especially not the American military. Also, Antony Blinken, the very serious, very astute, highly competent, fake secretary of state of the fake Biden administration, he predicted with tragic accuracy exactly what Putin was going to do and exactly what he was going to claim. And I guess you can call that the reverse He who smelt it dealt it defense. And you can use a reverse of all of these defenses anytime you want if you're the good guys. You see, if Antony Blinken said that Russia was going to claim the United States had chemical weapons there and he was right about Russia claiming that, ipso facto, there are no biological weapons. Don't you get it? I who smelt it. Decide who dealt it.
2: And China, too, has been spreading disinformation in support of Russia's outrageous claims. I will say this once. Ukraine does not have a biological weapons program. There are no Ukrainian biological weapons laboratories supported by the United States, not near Russia's border
0: or anywhere. China's a liar, too. She sounds like a tattletale. And by the way, how bad and how embarrassing and incompetent and dishonest do the fake administration's representatives, the representatives of the global communist community, how bad are they all that China can be taken more seriously than they can? This will go down as one of the greatest embarrassments in human history. And remember, all of this is the result of a stolen election propped up by a corrupt uniparty, a corrupt media, the big tech companies, the COVID narrative, and your family, friends, and neighbors who get all their information from the television and clap along because they know it's bad for the bad guys. And that's why they say it. And keep in mind at the end of that statement, they are still relying on the distinction between bio facilities or health facilities and bioweapons labs. There are labs studying high threat pathogens. We know that from the WHO and from Victoria Newland's statements and other statements from Americans, Robert Pope being another one. We know they are funded by the DOD. So what she is saying is an outright lie. And she's hoping that everybody just accepts the distinction they're making between a bioweapons lab and a health facility.
2: So here are the facts. Ukraine owns and operates its own public health laboratory infrastructure. These facilities make it possible to detect and diagnose diseases like COVID-19, which benefit us all. The United States has assisted Ukraine to do this safely and securely. This is work that has been done proudly, clearly, and out in the open. This work has everything to do with protecting the health of people. It has absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing to do with biological weapons.
0: Ukraine owns and operates its health facilities. Does the U.S. fund them? Yes. So does it matter who owns them? No. Does the U.S. have people at those facilities directing the work? Is anyone outside the facilities from the U.S. or any of the other globalist nations directing the work? When someone is answering questions that were not asked and are not relevant to the substance of the real question, you can tell that they are doing that to deceive and you can hear that happening here pretty clearly in fact it is
2: russia that has long maintained a biological weapon program in violation of international law it is russia that has well do- a well documented history of using chemical weapons it is russia who is the aggressor here
0: is that the i'm rubber you're glue Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you, defense?
2: It was Russian operatives who poisoned Alexei Navalny and Sergei and Yulia Skripal with nerve agents. It is Russia that continues to support the Assad regime in Syria and shield it from accountability when the UN and the OPCW have confirmed that Assad has repeatedly used chemical weapons over the past several years. And we're deeply concerned that Russia's calling for this meeting is a potential false flag effort in action. Exactly the kind we have been warning about, including from Secretary Blinken here in the Security Council last month.
0: And we talked about the Navalny and Syria stuff yesterday. Do the research on those subjects. Find out what it is you think about them then judge these statements in relation to what you find.
2: Russia has a track record of falsely accusing other countries of the very violations that Russia itself is perpetrating. And given that, and consistent with our previous statements, we have serious concerns that Russia may be planning to use chemical or biological agents against the Ukrainian people. The intent intent behind these lies seem clear, and it is deeply troubling. We believe Russia could use chemical or biological agents for assassinations as part of a staged or false flag incident, or to support tactical military operations. From the beginning, our strategy to counter Russia's tactics has been to share what we know with the world transparently.
0: Russia's the bad guy, Russia's the bad guy, Russia's the bad guy. From the beginning, our strategy was to share whatever we knew with the world transparently. Now, that wasn't their strategy. What they were doing was telling the world stories about what was going to happen. And they've continued to do that throughout this entire time. But all of those stories have been false and they have proven false really quickly. Like, days, sometimes hours, they have not been remotely transparent. And one of the places they were the least transparent was about the health facilities that just don't exist and then do exist, but aren't DOD funded. And then they are DOD funded, but they're not bioweapons facilities. Hey guys, why did you delete all the documents off your websites? If this wasn't a problem, why are you deleting any documents at all if you're concerned about transparency? I will say this, though. They were extremely transparent about the world's intelligence on all of these issues when they handed it over to the CCP. And then the CCP went and handed it over to Russia. You actually have to wonder if some of the evidence about these bio labs was in the intelligence that Joe Biden gave to the CCP. Now, if the evil twin of the United States and the evil twin in the UK and Europe and African nations and certain Middle Eastern nations, certain Asian nations, if the evil twin of all of these, the evil twin enmeshed in the WHO, in the UN, all of the little global networks and councils, If the evil twin realized that Putin was going to take out the bioweapons facilities and they know the CCP has an interest in these bioweapons facilities, that they operate in conjunction with the same people, we know that our DOD was funding projects with the PLA in China. That's just a fact. So they probably thought they could communicate that intelligence to their partners and that their Chinese partners in the CCP might stand up and put a stop to what Russia is doing. So it's entirely possible that all of this evidence about these bio research facilities was delivered to the Russians by our own fake president working for the American evil twin. Do I know that? Of course not. But it's starting to kind of feel that way, isn't it? So far, we have not heard a single ounce of refutation of any of these claims, any of them. No questions about where the documents came from. No questions about the authenticity of the documents. Just Russia bad, Russia bad, Russia lie, Russia poison Navalny, Russia chemical weapons, Russia lie, Russia false flag. Antony Blinken told you so. That's what we've heard. And it actually gets worse from here.
2: Candidly, we have been right more than often, more than we'd like to. We're not going to let Russia get away with lying to the world or staining the integrity of the Security Council by using this forum as a venue for legitimizing Putin's violence. Russia has attacked homes, schools, orphanages, and hospitals. Russia has attacked civilian infrastructure, including water and sanitation facilities. Their forces are laying Ukrainian cities under siege. Hundreds of thousands of civilians now don't have access to electricity for heat or drinking water to stay alive. Russia is the aggressor, aggressor here. And despite Russia's best efforts, The media and everyday Ukrainians are documenting this truth on the ground.
0: Now, let's keep in mind what the Russians have accused America and the world of doing in these Ukrainian labs. We went through that in the first segment. If all of that is true, right? We don't know if it's all true. Could be Russian propaganda. Could just be one big smokescreen with all these crazy evidence trails behind it. But nonetheless, totally false. They're not disproving the evidence trails, and they're not even really disputing the main claims. But hey, maybe Russia's wrong. But assuming they're not, is what they claim a reasonable justification for Russia taking targeted action in Ukraine to dismantle an existential threat against Russia and the Russian people? I would argue that yes, if America was facing that problem with biolabs along the Mexican border or the Canadian border, and we had tried to get them to stop. And we found out that they were studying certain ethnicities in America, the DNA, so that they could use bioweapons to specifically target certain ethnic groups of people. We might feel inclined. We might feel justified to take care of that problem. I mean, we have no problem going around and bombing Middle Eastern countries or poor African nations. Remember 10 years ago, a bunch of privileged white kids in Southern California decided that Coney 2012 was the new cause of the world. And so they made a social media campaign and had song and dance numbers to support American military intervention in Uganda because they had found the perfect boogeyman. We have made all sorts of justifications for involvement, military involvement in foreign nations, and none of them have ever been bioweapons labs on the other side of our border. The fake administration and the people representing our country in the globalist community, they don't care about our borders at all. They are currently allowing an active invasion and the flooding of our country with fentanyl and other deadly drugs. That's not even to mention the child trafficking, the human trafficking, the sex trafficking, the murder and rape and child abuse and the exploitation of political power and labor from these immigrants who are being transported from their homes into our country for the enrichment of Mexican drug cartels. They don't care about that. That is not a military situation for us. But the same people are happy with military occupations and engagements all around the world, as long as we can find a cause that the they thems online will clap for. And then she goes into how this is some sort of propaganda campaign, and despite Russia's best efforts, the mainstream media and Ukrainian citizens on the ground are documenting all of this stuff, so we can see how truly awful it is what Russia is doing. And you have to wonder, honestly, if these people have any perspective on the fact that there are information streams that exist outside of the mainstream media and the controlled environments of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Because there actually is media and people on the ground there documenting all these things and they completely disagree with all the fake stories we've been subjected to by our mainstream media. We actually have that too. But here's where it gets amazing. She's about to start advertising the globalist mouthpieces of the world, the media organizations, and saying that Russian propaganda can't paint over or cover up any of these truly emotional stories that we've all had our hearts just rended by.
2: Russia can't paint over the front page of the New York Times, which on Monday featured the bodies of a Ukrainian mother and her two children who died while trying to cross a bridge outside Kiev in their attempt to flee to safety. Russia cannot cover up the work of AP news reporters who captured a doctor attempting to resuscitate an 18-month-old Kirill who died from Russian shelling in Maripol. Russia cannot suppress the social media posts confirmed and amplified by CBS News that told the story of the 11-year-old Ukrainian boy who fled to Slovakia by himself with only a passport, a plastic bag, and a phone number scrawled on his hands. Russia cannot silence the Al Jazeera report of Russian soldiers terrorizing Ukrainian cities. And Ukrainian journalists are risking their lives every day to deliver to the world the latest on-the-ground facts, such as Novovrimny reporting on the reckless behavior of Russian forces toward Ukraine's nuclear facilities. Russia is failing in its quest to create an alternative reality.
0: Can you believe all those incredible tales and all of the emotions that she just expressed sort of? I mean, all you have to do is listen to everything the mainstream media says and take it all as 100 percent true and engage really engage emotionally with the content, engage emotionally so much that you don't even bother thinking about whether or not it's true. You're supposed to look at the picture, get horrified, feel sad, and then go out and encourage violence against Russians on Facebook and Instagram. And Facebook and Instagram now allow that. They have actually decided that everybody gets to say violent things and advocate violence against anyone Russian or soon anyone who doesn't make their profile blue and yellow and say that they stand with Ukrainian Nazis. Because you see, Facebook and Instagram used to have very strict policies against advocating or threatening violence. But the thing is, advocating for and threatening violence are okay when they're targeted at the bad people. And who are the bad people? Well, whoever disagrees with us. I mean, to be honest, we wouldn't wish violence against these people if they agreed with us, if they would just obey us and follow the rules that we set out for them. Well, then we wouldn't hate them. Then we wouldn't encourage violence against them. And you gotta understand that no matter how often we make it obvious that we advocate for and carry out and applaud violence against the bad people, it's only because they're bad. It's not because we're part of a hate movement. But hey, commies, you are part of a hate movement. And I've been saying it for a very long time. And it was as true then as it is now. And sorry, family, friends, neighbors you are in a hate movement. You walked yourselves into a hate movement. I know you did it inadvertently. You didn't mean to sign up for a hate movement, but you nonetheless are part of one. And how do you know you're in a hate movement? Well, the power structures in your hate movement think it's okay that you advocate for violence against people that are not in your hate movement. You require full obedience to everything you say, no matter how irrational, no matter how little evidence there is for your claims, and no matter how obviously incompetent you are at governing, you censor and prohibit and punish the speech of anyone who speaks out against you. You make absolutely every issue in the world about race or gender or religion, and you're supporting. Actual Nazis. Honestly, you walked yourselves into a hate movement. I'm sorry to say it. I'm sorry I'm the only one in your life who will say it, apparently. But the truth is the truth. And you can know it's a hate movement because you are always appealed to by way of your emotions. You cannot explain the substance of a single belief you hold. And you actively long for more reasons to hate people. There is no hate coming from our side. No matter how oppressed we become, our speech just out the window doesn't matter anymore. Our ability to make a living or see to our own bodily autonomy. Nope, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You're not following the rules. There is still no hate coming from our side. There is no violence coming from our side. We are not even advocating violence despite all of this because we believe we can solve these problems in a better way. We are facing an actual hate movement. And yes, your family, your friends, your neighbors, they inadvertently walk themselves right into it. There is now no distinction. They are lying about biological warfare and supporting Nazis. That is the end of the discussion. Okay, we're not the ones supporting censorship. That's you all. How in the world can you support a censorship regime and know it's in place? Everybody knows that it's in place. How can you support that and still think that you're on the right side of history, as you always love to say? You have stared into the abyss too long. You need to walk back from the edge fast. But let's get back to our very competent ambassador who is telling us how great the mainstream media is.
2: In fact, not even Russian diplomats can keep their propaganda straight. Just yesterday, the Kremlin spokesman said he didn't have clear information about the Russian forces who fired on a maternity hospital. Then the foreign minister himself denied Russia attacked Ukraine at all, right before admitting that Russia
0: deliberately targeted this maternity hospital in Maripu. Did she just say Maripu? I think she did. Now, the claims that she just made about what some of the Russians said, that is another one of their tactics that they love they'll get one person from the other side who doesn't agree with the rest of the other side. And then they'll say, the other side can't even keep their own stories straight. As if it's somehow dishonest for two people to disagree. Not that that's what was actually happening. She misrepresented their statements as well. And the Russian ambassador clarified that she had done that when he spoke in his second round. And the clarification was that The Russians had not started the war. They had not started the conflict. Not that they were not involved in one. There is no scenario where lying about something provable is a better response, a better counter to the thing the other side is doing. If the truth is on your side, you're better off always representing the other side's best possible case and then taking that apart if you're able to, but if you're not able to, then you do the sorts of things that we see our leaders doing all the time.
2: Their fabrications didn't matter because the world had already seen the searing images broadcast on CNN of bloodied pregnant women being evacuated from the scene of Russia's attack on the hospital.
0: The propaganda doesn't matter Because the world has already seen the searing images broadcast on the television. Isn't that an incredible admission of what these people actually think everyone else is dumb enough to believe? And consider that in the context of Kamala Harris in Poland yesterday, talking about how the world has seen all these images on TV. It's always about that. The images everyone has seen on TV, they are creating reality for you. And they're not even shy about admitting it.
2: Even Russian Russia's own citizens are tiring of such lies. Russian athletes are writing no war on their shoes and on TV TV cameras. Russian citizens are marching in the streets and protesting Putin's war of choice. And even Russian state TV pundits, Putin's own propaganda arm, have called for Putin to stop the military action.
0: Celebrities and influencers, Russians, have come out and said to stop the war. So you have to do it. That means there are no bio labs. That's still the case that she's trying to prove, by the way, that there are no bioweapons labs in Ukraine. But Russian athletes and celebrities and influencers are against war. So we better take them seriously. And you know what else? Even some of the media figures there are saying bad things about Vladimir Putin. And that argument has no more substance than trying to make a case that Chris Wallace agrees that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. We're just supposed to take that differently because we're told that all media in Russia is state propaganda on Putin's behalf. Not like in America, where we have a totally free media for anyone who wants to repeat state propaganda on the global communist behalf. Don't you see how it works? This is
2: why we didn't object to holding today's meeting. Today's meeting has confirmed our predictions, reveal Russia's objectives to the world and expose Russia's lies for what they are a malicious effort to cover for the atrocities being committed by Russia as part of their illegal and unprovoked attack on Ukraine.
0: Got that? They wanted this UN Security Council meeting so that they could go out and get some other countries together and all point at Russia and be like, Russia lies. Russia lies. They're bad. Russia lies. They actually believe that they are winning this PR battle, that they are winning this information war. It is a page
2: directly out of the Russian playbook, and it will not convince us one bit. The world is watching. Photographic and video evidence is mounting, and you will be held to account for your actions. We will not let atrocities slide. Unlike the Russian government, whose first instinct, is to silence. We are confident that truth and transparency will prevent.
0: So there we have it. And as I said, they came to her for a second round and she just said that they're not even going to dignify what Russia said with a response. Is there anything in what you just heard from that lady that convinces you that the U.S. Department of Defense was not funding biological research and chemical research in Ukraine that could have been weaponized. Did she address directly any single claim that the Russians made? The answer is no. That was pathetic. That is the global communist order displaying what they do and what they are on the world stage. The only way that their case ever prevails is because they have all of the media around the world and they just hammer it into people's heads and they censor the things they don't like. They use shame and bullying to make sure that no one ever goes out and says the no, no words. We don't want anybody saying the dangerous things. You know what's going to happen if you say the dangerous things. We're going to put you in jail without a trial, and we're just going to keep you there. We're going to take away your ability to communicate with other people. We're going to set your friends and family against you so that they attack your character all the time over issues they themselves know absolutely nothing about. We're going to make it impossible for you to make a living. And you know what? If you keep acting up, we're going to find all the people like you and make sure you can't have medical care. Every single Biden voter, every single COVID worshiper should be apologizing and begging forgiveness for all of this. And by the way, as I used to say last year all the time on High Noon, I want people to become redeemable communists. I want people to leave their little tribes and come back and say, My God, I did not know what I was doing. I am so sorry about what I have been supporting for these years. And I want to do everything I can to reverse the damage that I have participated in. I want everybody to do that. And I have said a thousand times that we need to be open about allowing those people a path to return. But these people are proving that their egos will not allow that. They cannot. Imagine that they have been wrong about something so significant for so long and been so awful to all the people who disagree with them. A lot of people don't see a path back, which is understandable because they're ignorant about everything else and they don't actually trust other humans to forgive them of their faults and mistakes. But we are getting dangerously close to the point where if they do not begin making that journey back, it's going to be the end for them. They are going to lose their minds. How are these people going to function in a society when they've been so public about what their opinions are and now everybody else knows, oh, you were one of those Nazi supporters, weren't you? Oh, you were one of those people that was advocating for injecting a dangerous and deadly experimental gene therapy into toddlers, weren't you? You were one of those people telling everybody that they had to wear masks out of respect for you, a stranger. Who believes that anyone is going to forget any of this. This will be studied throughout history. People will be asking how modern societies with the ability to communicate constantly could possibly have allowed the darkest parts of human history to be replayed almost exactly without batting an eye. But I guess part of it is that those parts of history never really stopped because the people never really went away. They just hid, they regrouped, and they came back again. And one of those people is George Soros, who helped load his own neighbors onto Nazi trains. And he admitted it in an interview with 60 Minutes. I'm not making it up. It's not even something he's ashamed of. But old George isn't sitting so pretty right now, and it seems like he may actually be freaking out a little bit. Now, I've said many times that Project Syndicate is the mouthpiece for elite global communism, and that is why I often share pieces from this outlet. It's not because they're good or because they're accurate. It's because they are telling us what they intend to do. Now, George Soros decided to put out an op-ed in Project Syndicate today. And so I want to share that with you. The headline is Vladimir Putin and the risk of World War Three. The subheadline after receiving a green light from Chinese President Xi Jinping, Russian President Vladimir Putin launched his war in Ukraine in an effort to reclaim the old Russian empire. But both leaders appear to have misjudged the situation, raising the prospect of a global catastrophe unless they are removed from power. George Soros, actual Nazi. And I'm talking about OG World War II Nazi, not the actual Nazis that are in Ukraine right now that all the influencers in Hollywood are supporting actual World War II Nazi. He is now calling for the leaders of two nuclear powers to be removed to prevent World War Three. Now, does George Soros Have the map on how to do this? And who is he suggesting remove these leaders? And when did he start hating Xi Jinping? Well, he kind of started doing it right after the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. And you may remember me pointing that out back then. That was six months ago. Look at how situations develop. Isn't that crazy? Russia's invasion of Ukraine on February 24th was the beginning of a third world war that has the potential to destroy our civilization. The invasion was preceded by a long meeting between Russian President Vladimir Putin and Chinese President Xi Jinping on February 4th, the beginning of the Chinese Lunar New Year celebrations and the Beijing Winter Olympic Games. At the end of that meeting, the two men released a 5,000-word, carefully drafted document announcing a close partnership between their two countries. The document is stronger than any treaty and must have required detailed negotiations in advance. Well, that sounds like pure panic, pure Soros panic. I guess I'd let somebody inject that into my veins. But he's very worried that Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping have reached an agreement on a path forward into the future. I was surprised that she appeared to have given Putin carte blanche to invade and wage war against Ukraine. He must be very confident that his confirmation as China's ruler for life later this year will be a mere formality. Having concentrated all power in his own hands, she has carefully scripted the scenario by which he will be elevated to the level of Mao Zedong and Deng Xiaoping. Having obtained Xi's backing, Putin set about realizing his life's dream with incredible brutality. Approaching the age of 70, Putin feels that if he is going to make his mark on Russian history, it is now or never. But his concept of Russia's role in the world is warped. He seems to believe that the Russian people need a czar whom they can follow blindly. That is the direct opposite of a democratic society. And it is a vision that distorts the Russian soul, which is emotional to the point of sentimentality. And isn't that interesting coming from a former and still current Nazi? The Russian soul is emotional to the point of sentimentality. They are not capable of making rational decisions in the best interest of everyone. And I feel like usually the people on Soros' side don't make those kind of arguments, do they? I mean, we've heard how it's not okay to say that women are emotional. And there's the negative stereotype of the angry black person. But it's okay if it's Russians. That's so interesting. I wonder if George Soros has some sort of tie-in, some sort of influence with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram Because it seems like they've all just now agreed that it is totally fine to stereotype people by their ethnicity and imply that their motivations for everything are somehow skewed by the defects in their ethnic character. And this is further proof, by the way, that George Soros believes the idea of democracy means a global democracy where the elites in the countries around the world make decisions for everyone around the world. That is his idea of democracy, which isn't actually democracy. It's certainly not the constitutional republic America is supposed to be. As a child, I had many encounters with Russian soldiers when they occupied Hungary in 1945. I learned that they would share their last piece of bread with you if you appealed to them. Later, at the beginning of the 1980s, I embarked on what I call my political philanthropy. And that's interesting. Hungary in 1945, that's right about the time when George Soros admits to helping load Jews onto the Nazi trains. And again, if you don't believe me, go in the info stream on Telegram and look up Soros 60 minutes. T.me slash I'm your moderator. Use the search feature Soros 60 minutes. You can also find it on YouTube. You can still get that video on YouTube, strangely enough. But then again, Soros actually thinks he was representing himself well in that interview, so perhaps he's proud of it. First, I set up a foundation in my native Hungary, and then I actively participated in the disintegration of the Soviet Empire. When Mikhail Gorbachev came to power in 1985, the disintegration had already begun. I set up a foundation in Russia and then did the same in each of the successor states. In Ukraine, I established a foundation even before it became an independent country. I also visited China in 1984, where I was the first foreigner allowed to set up a foundation, which I closed in 1989, just before the Tiananmen Square massacre (laughs) and probably not related at all. George Soros literally just admitted that he went into all of those former Soviet states and set up his foundations there. George Soros planting roots in all these countries around the world is a good thing to him. Now, a lot of these countries have kicked him out. I love how he says, which I closed. I don't know Putin personally, but I have watched his rise very closely, aware of his ruthlessness. He reduced the capital of Chechnya, Grozny to rubble, just as he is currently threatening to do to the capital of Ukraine, Kyiv. And you have to say it the way the Soros people like saying it. The Ukrainian ambassador actually said that Putin was raising cities to the ground. Maybe he needs to look up the definition of raising. That's like just decimating everything, which is not something we've seen the Russians do at all. The events of 2014 made him very angry, but the Russian army performed poorly when it was ordered to attack its Ukrainian brothers. Ingrained corruption in the awarding of defense contracts has also played an important role in its underperformance. Yet rather than blaming himself, Putin seems to have gone literally mad. He has decided to punish Ukraine for standing up to him, and he appears to be acting without any constraint. He is throwing the entire Russian army into the battle and ignoring all the rules of war, not least by indiscriminately bombing the civilian population. Again, not true. Many hospitals have been hit and the electrical grid supplying the Chernobyl nuclear power plant currently occupied by Russian troops has been damaged in besieged Mariupol or as the U.S. ambassador calls it, Mariupu. 400,000 people have been without water and food for nearly a week. Russia may well lose the war. The United States and the European Union are both sending defensive weapons to Ukraine, and there are efforts to buy Russian-made MiG fighters that Ukrainian pilots know how to fly. These could make all the difference. Regardless of the outcome, Putin has already worked wonders when it comes to strengthening the EU's resolve and unity. And oh, yes, they seem so strengthened. Meanwhile, Xi seems to have realized that Putin has gone rogue on March 8th, one day after Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi had insisted that the friendship between China and Russia remained rock solid. She called French President Emmanuel Macron and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz to say that he supported their peacemaking efforts. He wanted maximum restraint in the war in order to avert a humanitarian crisis. It is far from certain that Putin will accede to Xi's wishes. We can only hope that Putin and Xi will be removed from power before they can destroy our civilization. Now, that right there is George Soros' Approaching the full realization that his life's work as a committed Nazi determined to reshape the world in his own image of what the world should be is crumbling and falling apart. The globalist order is crumbling before our eyes. And I'm not the only one saying it. This is Jack Posobiec this morning on War Room. And then you have the Putin part. But does less getting the hearts and minds of the West. But. Or at least the hearts. I'm not sure he's got the minds. He's got the hearts. But but Putin's winning because, number one, he's getting the Russia. But more importantly, he's winning in China with Xi and the way it's being presented
1: to the Chinese people. Jack Posovic, you're a, you're a Mandarin-speaking and Intel officer, China specialty. Is The Washington Post correct? Steve, the Washington Post, actually, well, whoever wrote this op-ed is correct in a sense, but I don't—they're correct for the wrong reasons. What they, what they're missing is, is that this is the plan. What you're seeing is a systemic deglobalization process. You're seeing a deglobalization that's being led by Moscow, that's being led by Berlin, uh, Beijing, and potentially you could see the Indians, you could see the Brazilians getting online with this, with BRICS, uh, South Africa, of course, huge part of that. Um, the territory of Turkey of course we talked about Erdogan they' are splitting the world up now into two systems they've decided to declare that the system of globalization yes. has failed which and certainly they wouldn't be the first to say so and they are setting themselves up for success while we are letting ourselves be set up by this Gremlin in Davos called Klaus Schwab and his great reset they're constructing deglobalization while we're we are still trying to build globalization
0: despite What they say at the UN, despite what the fake president says, despite what the media says, you can see this picture actually forming now. It has been forming for quite a long time. If you listen to this podcast, you've been tracking the fact that I have believed this picture to be what the future holds for a long time. We are seeing the sovereign nations of the world stand up to retain their sovereignty, The media has attacked these foreign leaders relentlessly as soon as they realize that these foreign leaders will never be on the page of the global communist agenda. And now they are in full opposition to Vladimir Putin. They are in full opposition to Xi Jinping. And we're going to learn a whole lot about what's going on in China as we watch the situation with Taiwan develop. And I'll say again, I think it's going to mirror this situation with Russia and Ukraine. We're going to be told all sorts of false stories attempting to win us over so that the world supports the globalist agenda. But that's not going to happen. They've lost it. It's falling apart. The narrative is broken. And now even George Soros realizes it. And what's the response from the fake administration? Well, They invited TikTokers, TikTok influencers for a Zoom call with Jen Psaki so they can all feel like they are royalty, they're elites too, and they're being given all of the slogans so they can take their slogans out on TikTok and convince everybody in the country that somehow the Globalist Project is moral, and somehow it's succeeding. It's crumbling before our eyes. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president.
1: In my mind, that's the end game.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me imyourmoderator I'm Your Moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and Bitshoot. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct